Am I on? Hear me? Oh boy. <laughs> I can hear me, that's terrible. You have to listen to that, oh goodness gracious. <laughs> okay, just to do some housekeeping before I really get going. <laughs> Um, this is being recorded like a lot of our services are recorded now. Thank you, Adam, and the guys up the sound desk. Um, just to add some extra pressure on me, <laughs> my sister is going to be listening to this. So, hey, Susan, love you heaps. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to be playing this to mum. So I uh, appreciate your prayers that mum will respond in some way. Um, you're probably sick of hearing me talk about her. But my mum's the greatest man I've ever met in my life. She's the strongest person I've ever met in my life. And she's still fighting, still going, still standing us all. And knowing mum the way she's going, she's probably going to outlive me. <laughs> anyway. So, why are we here? What are we here for? What's the point? Deathly silence. During the last six weeks or so, or maybe longer, uh, Andrew's been preparing us, talking to us about the plagues of Egypt and the uh, wonderful, incredible nation that Egypt was and became and grew to be powerful. Move that out of the way. And we've been stu studying and learning about the plagues and the blows that God meted out on the nation of Egypt. And some, I believe, citizens of the nation of Israel as well, those that did not want to respond or listen to or give God the glory that is rightfully his. All through the Exodus book where God talks to Moses and says, go to Pharaoh and speak, he says, so that they will know and the world will know that I am the Lord. I am the Lord. How many times or how many moments of your day do you realise that we have the King of Kings and our Heavenly Father with us and he is the Lord. He is the King, the Ruler, the Master of all. And listening to our songs this morning, I just want to get my thought back into where I want to go with this. Brothers and sisters, we are at war. And we don't talk about it much in the church any, anymore. We seem to want to talk about the candy floss and bubblegum of our Christian walk of life. It's all wonderful, happy, clappy, and everything's wonderful because Jesus has come into our life and we're freed from our sins and woohoo, isn't this great? And every moment of our life from then on, once we're saved, is wonderful. Is that true? No, it's not. <laughs> it is not true at all. From personal experience, I can tell you, when the Lord Jesus came into my family and through our family history, it was like a nuclear bomb going off. Nothing was wonderful. My father was a complete atheist, hated God, still does, and was dead set against the fact that my mum would all of a sudden become a new person in Christ. And from being a violent drunk... He went to being an extremely bad, violent drunk. 
And there's my mum trying to tell me, oh, no, Jesus loves you, this is wonderful. And I'm sitting there thinking, hey, this ain't working out too well, mum. This ain't going that well. But here I am, and there she is over there, and I can't tell her the battles I've fought and what the Lord has done in my life and what he's going to be doing in your lives and the skirmishes that get thrown at us through the war that we are in and what the Lord does with us and knocks off those little hard parts of our heart, the callous parts of our sinful nature and softens us and moulds us and shapes us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. The saddest part of my life right now here in this earth is I can't tell my mum where I'm at with my Lord right now. But one day I'll be able to share with her and she'll be able to share with me and with our Lord where we are and where we've been. My hope and prayer for all of you here is that you will know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord. And I'm not naive enough to think just because we're in church, everybody here knows Jesus. In actual fact, I'm quite pretty much 100% sure that most of the people that we worship with at church every day don't know the Lord. Now, that might upset some of you, but it's a fact. And I think it's a fact that's rung true through all of Christendom. Loads of people know about the Lord Jesus. They know what the Bible says. They know who God is. They know, no, 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 in their head. But in their heart, do they really know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Saviour and Lord? And it's not hard to see the evidence of people's lives that they don't. Brothers and sisters, those of you who do know the Lord, and I'm talking to those who do genuinely know the Lord, it's incumbent upon you to encourage those friends that are within our church family to bow their knee in repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of the plagues that were meted out on the Egyptians were all about showing up the pathetic non-gods that the Egyptians worshipped. There are 53 major gods that they worshipped and then hundreds of other little superficial gods, little g, that they worshipped. But the Lord tells us in his precious word, I am the Lord, I am God, and what? There is none else beside me. And he showed them each and every time that their gods were useless, non-existent even, powerless, hopeless, pathetic. But the Lord shows us every day when that sun comes up, every day he gives us the grace to have a new life, a new day, every day. That he is the Lord and he's blessed you with the breath to breathe and a life to live. If you've ever thought about Moses, <laughs> and I've been reading a little bit about him, I don't think I'd ever would have wanted to be in Moses' shoes, but God used him mightily. And in the story that Natalie read to us about the crossing of the Red Sea, it's probably one of the greatest miracles throughout all of Scripture. And the uh, scientific world come up with all sorts of wonderful airy-fairy ideas of how it, how it might have happened in a scientific way. <laughs> well, 
But what I'll tell you now, I believe this book and I believe every bit in it to be true and I believe when God said he parted the sea with the winds and a wall on water on one side and a wall of water on the other side, that's exactly what happened. There was no tectonic shift, there was no cyclone, there was no what it... God said it, he did it, and I believe it. It's as simple as that. I do not question what God's word says and I pray that you don't either. Now we already know on this side of the cross that once the Egyptians, once the Israelites crossed the sea, with all their bitching and whinging and complaining, first thing they did was say to Moses, "Oh gee, what have you done?" They got panicked and stressed about where they were after seeing all of those miracles. The first thing they did when they were first confronted with the first problem that they saw was to bitch and whinge and complain. Do you do that? I do, <laughs> all the time. God says to Moses, to raise his staff, and the sea parted, and they walked across on dry land, not wet, soggy land, not land that was a little bit, or the tide had gone out and they were able to cross. They walked across on dry land. I've been watching some YouTube videos, so I encourage you, if you really want to go and have a look at some amazing videos on YouTube, there are some really strange ones. There's a lot of rubbish out there on the internet, but there is some good stuff too. There are some wonderful coral shots of uh, chariot wheels that have become coralized, if that's, the, if that's a word, <laughs> under the Red Sea. And there is a wonderful picture of one I was watching yesterday of a gold wheel that is still preserved. And all that is left of the wheel is the gold coating on the wheel, all the wood's been rotted away. And it's shining in the sun. In the middle of the Red Sea. But how did that get there? Someone threw it off a boat, did they? You know, it's there to see. But quite frankly, I don't need evidence from a movie or science or whatever to prove to me that what God says in his word is real. I live it every day. And it is not easy every day. The early church, they were known as a sect amongst the Romans and they used to be called people of the way which I find quite amazing because our Christian walk, our life in Christ is a walk along the way. Every day we live a journey where God guides us, teaches us and nurtures us and like I said before, knocks off those callous sharp edges of our heart to soften us and mould us into the image of the person he wants each of us to be individually. As a man of God in this awful world, it is very hard to walk out every day. I know what it's like to have a job and have a, wife, a husband and a wife and family and all that sort of stuff. And the stuff of life gets in the way. But every day I encourage you to go out, find opportunities to talk about the Lord Jesus with someone. At least someone. One. If it's not every day, at least once a week. It's not impossible. 
Paul tells us in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the judge shall live by faith. You and I, we have a life of faith, and it is faith that is our main go-to. Prayer should be our go-to. The word of God should be our go-to in the weapons that we need to fight the war of Christendom in the world we live in. Every day on the news you can see the Christian church coming under attack everywhere in this wokey world. Strange phrase, but in the political correctness that we are surrounded by and verbally attacked every day. The disgusting jokes that are levied at my saviour through the media that are looked at as being fun. They hurt, don't they? Satan is very well aware of what is happening. Satan knows his time is at hand. Satan knows that this is a battle and Satan knows this is a war. But he also knows this is a war he's lost already. Our Heavenly Father is our great high commander and Jesus is our King of Kings and he's also the Prince of Peace and he will bring about at the end of the war the greatest eternal time of peace this world has ever seen and everything will be perfect one day. We will be with our Lord one day. We won't be in this world anymore fighting the very nature of sin that comes about to attack us every day. In the New Testament reading that Denise read when uh, the disciples panic and they say to Jesus how can we know the way does that not astound you that they've just spent three years with him and they ask him (laughs) basically they're saying to him who are you (laughs) and Jesus says to them have I not been so long with you that you don't know When Jesus died on the cross, he said these amazing words. He said, it is finished. Do you think it was finished then, right there and then? Do you question that statement? I used to. Because you look at your life and you think, well, hang on a minute. What about all the troubles and strife and the problems that I still deal with? What was finished, my brothers and sisters, was the battle against the war against sin and death and hell. It was defeated at the cross then and there. All that's happened for the last 2,000 years is Satan being a petulant child, kicking his heels up because he is not happy. And he is not happy still and he is not happy now. But we are living here now in a battle that has been won already. Soldiers of the cross and we can't even get out of our bed in the morning and read the very sword that we've been given, the word of God, to start our day. If you joined the Australian army and stayed in bed every morning and then when they called you to war and you'd say you'd served for the last five years by just uh, 
staying in bed while your comrades were training, what good of a soldier would you be? The Christian walk is not candy floss and bubble gums. It is a battle. It is a battle royale. Andrew used that phrase a few weeks ago. And is it a battle that is hotting up? But if Hiroshima was something that stopped the world and made them stop warring with each other for a very short time, I must add, that if you've seen some of the war footage of Nagasaki and Hiroshima after the nuclear bomb was dropped, it's absolutely devastating. But you will need Sun Factor 650,000 when Jesus returns because he will obliterate this place. By the word of his power, it says in Revelations, Jesus alone will wipe out all the enemies of God. And I truly believe that we will be up in glory sitting back watching it all happen. But do you want to be here then? I truly believe it to be so that when the Bible talks about the tribulation period, the time of trouble, Jacob's trouble, the day of God's wrath, uh, in Revelations it talks about man will be crawling for rocks to fall on them and it won't happen. They'll be wanting to die and it won't happen. God will meet out his judgment on this earth when he returns and there will be no second chances. But right now, there is a second chance. Anyone listening online, I plead with you. If you read the scriptures, everywhere in the scriptures, you will never find a story or a warning in the scriptures where God meets out his judgment on someone, on a tribe or a nation or an individual you will never find a time where that nation or the individual were not forewarned in the first place. That's the God we worship. That is not the God of Islam. Our God is a God of love. And he has the very right to wipe us out if he so chooses, but he chooses to still love us. Does that not blow you away? Does that not want to get you to get on your knees before him and say, Lord, I am sorry for the fact that I neglect recognising and honouring you for who you are? It does me. I had an awful conversation with my sister this morning about some family issues that I won't go into, but uh, happens to lots of families nowadays. Awful, ugly stuff. And my two brothers don't know the Lord Jesus. They've both heard the gospel many times. As you can imagine, mum never let it go. My older brother in particular, who I love dearly, totally rejects the gospel. My younger brother, I really don't know where he's at. But I know he's not a Christian and is not with the Lord and is in all sorts of strife with the Lord right now with the law, excuse me, in the UK. But when I sit back and look at my life with my sister and my mum and realise the grace of God in our family because we bowed the knee, not because I'm special at all, 
but because we understand <laughs> when God says, I am God, he is. He is a God to be reverently feared. And he is a God that demands honour because it is his. He made you. The Lord and I would have loads of uh, conversations when I was a teenager because I, I struggled with my health all my life. And there's probably only one person here who I know would really relate, and that would be Natalie, bless your heart. Pain has been a constant part of my life every day. And for most of my life, I was so angry at the Lord for the pain I go through. And I handle it well. It's because God's awesome to me. He's given me a mind that helps me overcome the pain that I deal with physically. But the mental anguish I go through now as a Christian, thinking of the people that I know and love who don't know the Lord is so much more intense and so much more painful. And I pray that you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, when you think about that, you feel the same pain. Because your Heavenly Father feels that same pain too. He loves all of us. Do you think there's a single person on this planet that God does not love? Jesus died for them, for goodness sake. When Jesus died, it was not a Hollywood-type death. (laughs) Wonderful violins playing in the background as the soul floats off to wherever. Jesus' death was brutal and perfectly acted out by a group of people who were experts in killing people. And Jesus knew what he was going to go through. And for the first time ever in eternity, he was separated from his father when he died. Have you ever thought about that? But when he rose from the grave and defeated sin, death and hell miraculously, he did it because he loves you. And he did it because he loves everyone And like I said before, I'm not naive enough to think that everybody we meet knows and loves the Lord just because they say they do. But my prayer is that someone, one person, listening to this uh, not very well delivered sermon, (laughs) will come to understand that the Lord Jesus loves them despite of their sin, despite of whatever they have done, as brutal as whatever it may be, as evil as whatever it may be, there is no sin that mankind has ever committed. And you can all think of some evil things, I'm sure. That the power of a cross cannot wash away and make whiter than snow. Isaiah says, though your sins be scarlet, deep scarlet as blood, they will be washed away whiter than snow through the blood of the shed, blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, the perfect sinless Lord, 
my precious Saviour, and I pray that that will be true for you. We are all sinners. Every single one of us, as perfect as you think you are, your perfectness, the Bible tells us, is nothing but stinky grave clothes when compared to the righteousness and purity of a holy God. And if that doesn't make you wake up and think something should, there is no good that you could ever do. There is no perfect humanity act that you could do, loving and as wonderful as it may be, that will satisfy a holy, righteous God. Only the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who lived a perfect, sinless life could ever have been the appropriate payment for your sin and my sin. And repenting to your holy God should not just be, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me, and then you go about your business. Should it not? Coming to know the Lord should be a total change in your life. It should be something that brings you joy every day as it does me. I cannot... It just does my head in that God would forgive me and you. But he does. All of glory rejoices when a repentant sinner comes to faith in Christ and I pray that someone today will. When Jesus says to his disciples in the John reading that I go to prepare a place for you, I was listening to John Piper during the week doing a lot better sermon than I can do on this particular matter. But he broke it down in such a wonderful way and I encourage you, if you want to go on YouTube, go and search out John Piper and uh, check out Jesus is the Way. If you can find his sermon, I hope it touches your heart. But he alludes to the fact that when he's saying to his disciples, I'm going to prepare a way, the preparation was his death. The prep work to make a way possible for us, the preparation work where we could have a home with our Lord, had to happen through Jesus' beaten, broken body because he is the way. He, if you like, is the mansion that is built for us in glory, not a house that you could imagine, not the old Beulah land songs of a mansion waiting for me. The mansion or the house that is waiting for us in glory is Jesus. Think on that. I'm hoping one particular person who I have in mind, and I'm not going to say their name, is listening to this. And I'm saying this just for them, and they'll know who it is. <laughs> the power of the internet. I had an argument with a gentleman a few days ago, and I must confess I was not very loving or forgiving in my words. So I pray their forgiveness for my response.
But the question given to me by this individual was, I'm a good man. I've never done anything wrong. <laughs> and I've heard this so many times, I've never told a lie. <laughs> and I know it can seem funny, but brothers and sisters, I think sometimes those that are on the other side of the cross that don't know the Lord yet, if they truly believe that, okay, that's fine. They don't know the Lord yet. They haven't come to realise what sin can do in their life. Proverbs 12, 16 says, The way of a fool, the way of a fool is right in their own eyes. But a wise man listens to counsel. My mum used to say to me a lot, and she got me to remember a proverb that even a fool is considered wise when he doesn't open his mouth. <laughs> and as much as I like to talk, sometimes I need to shut up and just listen. And sometimes I need to seek out wise counsel. And, uh, you know, Andrew is leaving, and that hurts me greatly. I love him dearly. He's become a really close friend, and I appreciate his counsel. And he has uh, encouraged me to push ahead and do this. Um, it's not my thing, preaching, to be honest. It's not my natural forte, if you like. What is natural for me is to talk to people in everyday moments of life about the Lord Jesus, wherever I find myself placed, not to do this pulpit stuff. Um, but when I have done it in the past, it makes me appreciate what a hard job it is to those that do. So, Andrew, bless your brother. Wherever you go, I pray that the Lord will bless you greatly. Because I'm going to miss you. Proverbs also says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Romans tells us the wages of sin is death. It's a payment. A payment has to be made. And Jesus makes that payment. Being a good guy is wonderful and admirable. And I've met loads of wonderful people in my life. Beautiful people. but they don't know the Lord Jesus. And on the opposite side of the cross, they stand condemned before a righteous God. If you want to argue about that, take it up with the Lord, don't take it up with me. Our job as Christians is to tell people that they are on their way to an eternity lost without a God that loves them. And when Jesus made the way, just where Moses parted the sea, and God made a way for Israel to pass across safely and wiped out his enemy, I might add, one of the most powerful nations on the planet at the time, one of the most sophisticated war armies at the time, God wiped out. Jesus when he died on the cross, 
totally obliterated the power of sin, death and hell over you and me. A lot greater and a lot more powerful and a lot more wonderful miracle than parting the sea. Parting the sea, big deal, great story. Jesus wipes away your sin and paid the price for it, better story. But he did not stay dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and the Bible tells us, his precious word tells us, he will come back again to judge the living and the dead. Everyone. Scary story sometimes if you don't know the Lord and rightfully so. Our commander-in-chief our Heavenly Father. <sighs> Made a plan more perfect than you could ever imagine and knew it before the foundations of the world, the world, the, the Bible tells us, before the foundations of the world. So if you get that in your head, then why did he bother? If he knew we were going to rebel, if he knew we were going to turn our back on him, then if you were God, would you bother? If you already knew, the story of the flood, well, God wipes out humankind and saves eight precious souls and all of us here are descended from them. Why save the eight? Wipe out a whole lot, if that was me. And if that was you, wouldn't you do the same too? Why bother? He bothers because he loves you. He, begot, he bothers because his perfect plan of salvation is exactly that. It's perfect. The last song we're going to sing today is The Battle Belongs to the Lord. That is so true. But you are in the army. And you should find yourself equipped to go out into battle every day. Face your Red Sea every day. Face your life struggles every day. But do it equipped in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the knowledge of the Word of God, in the prayer of the saints, that's your brothers and sisters, for each other, encouraging one another in the Word. And most of the time we find ourselves through the Monday to Friday of the week on our own in the world soldiers of Christ an individual soldier on our own whether it be mum at home with the kids dad at home at work in a ungodly workplace listening to the smut and the filth and the talk that comes out around morning tea I've heard it or the ladies at the tennis club with all the gossip and the talk that goes on it's hard, isn't it, to stand up and say, I'm sorry, my friends, um, I'm a Christian and I can't be part of this conversation. You've got no idea what an impact that hand grenade will make on those people. If you just stood up and said, I'm sorry, but because I know and love my Lord Jesus, I cannot partake in this situation, I don't want to be in this conversation, then move on. 
you will find, as I've found, it's been my life's experience. People will come and see you in private. They really will. And you will find a lot of the people that you know and work with and you associate with during the week have had some sort of a church background or their family was in ministry or whatever. And there you go. You found an avenue to start a relationship with someone that you never knew before because you stood up for the Lord. It happens. It doesn't happen to me every day, but it happens to me almost every week. Easter Sunday, I I do not want to blow on about myself. I just want to encourage you in how easy it can be eventually because to start evangelising and preaching the gospel to start with, if you've never done it before, you'll make loads of mistakes. You'll fall over your tongue. You'll feel a fool, but you'll be a fool for the Lord Jesus. It doesn't matter. But at least you're sharing the gospel honestly with someone because you love them. Because you don't want them to face an eternity without the Lord Jesus. It's been my life's experience. People will come to you privately most of the time and they'll share with you their problems and you can pray with them and you can start a relationship. You can't always go out ad hoc and preach the gospel to people you've never met before. It's always great to at least start and build a relationship. And I know most of you do, and those of you that don't, I'm just encouraging you, try and find a way where you can go out, like the Israelites, face your Red Sea. God will part the way for you. There won't always be a Moses there, but if you know and love the Lord, Jesus will be with you always. And he did something before... He did something that has stayed with us and it lives and breathes in every believer's heart and that's the Holy Spirit. If you know and love the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit is part of your DNA. He lives and is and part of your being every day and he will be with you every day through the mistakes you make every day through the battles you wage every day. But every time you face a new battle, it will be easier than the last one. But my brothers and sisters, looking at the world we live in now, the battles are getting bigger and harder to fight. The wokey, political correct world that we are living in that seems to be happening worldwide is a world that wants to shake its fists at God Almighty. Good luck with that. That's all I'll say. I really like to meet people who are angry at the Lord. I know that might sound funny. But usually if they're angry at the Lord, they have a reason and you can talk to them about why. The people that worry me the most are the people that are indifferent that are just going about their life. I want to talk about anything. There is no God. They scare me. God has placed eternity in our hearts. Those that don't know the Lord, they're just waiting to bow the knee and all they need is for you to tell them about the Lord Jesus. 
my prayer for each and every one of you and for each and everybody that's listening online is that you will face your Red Sea crossing one day and that you will realise that the Saviour of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, paid the penalty for your sin and has put you in that place so you can share the gospel with whatever situation you are facing right there and then. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for these people. Thank you for this little church that at the moment in time we face right now, we are facing a Red Sea crossing. We'll be without a pastor very shortly. We are trusting you for the future and we are trusting you for wisdom and leadership. Father, we pray that people will be able to volunteer and step up and fulfil the pulpit and do a lot better job than I've just done. <laughs> but Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be poured out in abundance upon each and every one of us as individuals. That we will band together as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. That we want to know, each and every one of us, our brothers and sisters' problems. What are we struggling with? What are our Red Sea crossings that we're facing? What is it that's in our life that is making us panic? Like the Israelites did with Moses. And instead of panicking, we can share with each other. Hey, my sister. Hey, my brother. Will you please pray with me about this? Can we talk about this situation? And that we would all be respectful enough of each other as brothers and sisters in Christ to keep those conversations private. To be a true brother and sister to our family to be a true Christian family and that you will tighten the bonds of love between us as brothers and sisters in this family. Father God, I pray that Wingham Baptist Church has not become a church where it's the habit of the decades to every five years or so or every ten years or so we chuck a pastor out or they leave and we do it all again. Father, I pray that who you ever send to lead us in the future. Whoever it may be, that we will be an encouragement to them and them to us and that we would learn humbly and willingly the lessons and the battles that you would have us face and learn in Jesus' name. Amen.